podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to Ace Podcast Nation, the hottest new podcast network and YouTube channel in the UK, featuring original series, top guests, expert analysts, and more. Check out facebook.com forward slash Nation for news on latest guests and shows. Watch every show in full at youtube.com forward slash Nation. Cage Warriors featherweight. Check out and subscribe to Ace Podcast Nation on YouTube for one of the best fight, fight podcasts around and the Danny Batten Fight Show every Wednesday for all MMA news. Hey guys, I'm Sai, and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, the home of the Danny Batten Fight Show. This is episode number 63. Tonight we'll uh, be talking to our special guest, plus having a look at last, uh, the latest news and rumours in the fight world, plus of course breaking down last night's incredible UFC 258 card. And uh, lastly, we'll finish off with some predictions for next week's fights. But uh, as usual, you can get this show and all the other series and shows we do youtube.com slash ace podcast nation if you'd like to watch it and if you prefer to download the audio you can get it all at all podcast platforms just uh, search ace podcast nation and you'll find all the different series under that banner but uh without further ado let's introduce first of all my co-host as usual former cage warriors champion uk mma legend mr danny batten how are you sir yeah, I'm really good. Hello, Sai. Hello, Corey. Um, yeah, good. Uh, well, I thought it was a hell of a treat of UFC last night. So um, I'm buzzing to get talking about it a little later. Yeah, mate, it was a really good good show, actually. It was, I enjoyed it. So it wasn't many finishes. Like, we've been treated recently to a lot of finishes and, like, the main card. I felt like there was um, a lot of the fights went the distance, which is not always a bad thing, and particularly when they were entertaining fights. But uh, mm. we'll get to that a bit later. But before we do, I'm delighted to welcome... Our special guest this week is none other than, I believe, the first Welsh female to sign with the UFC, hot off her impressive debut with the promotion. It's UFC strawweight, Corey Poppins McKenna. Welcome, Corey. Great to have you. How are you? I'm good, thanks, sir. Thanks for having me on. It's all good. We're looking forward to it. So I think first and foremost, we'll ask you is uh, how does it feel to be the first Welsh female to sign with the UFC? Yeah, it's great. Obviously, um, there's a lot of lot of Welsh guys coming through at the moment. I think there's, well, there was four in the UFC. Uh, I know Brett Johnson's gone on to Bellator and everything now. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of Welsh talent coming through. So it's really cool for me to be able to say that I'm, you know, not only am I obviously in with them guys, but also first female to do so. Uh, hopefully there'll be many more coming, you know, afterwards. Yeah, indeed. As I... I love it when we have the the Welsh fighters on the show. It makes me feel at home nicely. But we had um, Arnold Allen on uh, last week, who is uh, a friend of yours, teammate of yours. And uh, he insinuated to us that you are not Welsh. 
he said, she's English. So uh, could you tell us a bit about that? So I have this debate a lot, and it's actually something that my father gets rather heated over this. Um, so my dad was in the military, which meant we moved around a lot. So obviously I spent a large portion of my um, like teen years sort of where, where I met Arnold in obviously Colchester. Um, but my dad's Welsh, my family's Welsh. You know, I spent a lot of my childhood in Wales, moved back to Wales. So he, he likes to argue it. He just likes to kind of um, just try and you know stir the pot a little bit. But yeah. now I'm, uh, I'm representing Wales. Excellent. See Dan. See that Welsh, Welsh, Welsh and proud. <laughs> no, we um, we've been blessed actually. We've been very lucky. We've had um, some some of the best Welsh fighters around, and uh, it's good to continue that trend. But I wanted to ask you a bit about coming up. Like we've talked a bit, me and Danny, and and with the various guests, and and particularly with Richard Shaw, we talked about it as well. Is like when I was growing up in Cardiff, there was. You know, there was no MMA gyms or anything like that. Yes, it was about 25 years ago, but that's not the point. It's um, there was maybe like the odd boxing gym, but there was you know there was no MMA stuff. Obviously, the UFC was just sort of starting to become quite prevalent in the the tournaments and stuff they were doing when I was younger. But like now, there's Welsh, you know, there's the MMA gyms all over Wales. Obviously, you've got Shore MMA in Abertillery. You've got Brett Johns is uh, one up in Swansea. There's there's others scattered around. Of course, you've got the Matt Academy as well. Um, like, how did you come about becoming an MMA fighter? So um, I actually started MMA at BKK, obviously in Colchester. Like I say, that's yeah. uh, where I kind of met Arnold and everything. Um, again, my dad was away in the military a lot. Uh, I needed like kind of a bit of a hobby, a bit of pastime. So I ended up tagging along to like a karate session with my mother. Um, I actually hated it at first and then came back like a year later and ended up enjoying it. Um, but yeah, I, I ended up kind of after a year of competing in karate, I kind of just naturally like, you know, tried my hand at jiu-jitsu, boxing, uh, Muay Thai. And then at that point I was like, well, I'm doing everything. I might as well give MMA a go. So uh, my dad found BKK Fighters and uh, I moved down there when I was 13 and kind of that kick-started everything really. So was 13 like around the age where you were like, right, I'm going to do this. This is going to be what my career is and I'm going to sort of pursue it that way. Or was it a bit earlier than that, do you reckon? Um, I was very passionate about it from the start, but I think with MMA especially, it's one of those things where I don't think you you know you 100% want to do it and commit your life to it until you've actually done it. So mm. for me, probably around 14, 15, when I started actually competing in, uh, you know, I had like multiple Muay Thai fights. Just, I was competing in Jiu-Jitsu from the age of like 10. Um, so like until I think until you've actually stepped in the ring or the cage and kind of got a taste of the competition, I don't think it's something you, anyone really knows they like specifically want to do. Um, so yeah, probably around 14, 15, I was like, oh, this is this is 100% what I'm doing. Uh, I made the decision to leave school and train full time after my GCSEs um, and never looked back, really. Were you always competitive, like from a young age? I'm ridiculously competitive. Uh, yeah, like to the point where like my, me and my roommate will get competitive carrying the groceries from the car. Like it's yeah. e- everything. So uh, yeah, it definitely it definitely fits in well for me. Excellent. The um, it's a weird one because like people from maybe the outside who are not fans of MMA and stuff like even um, like my father-in-law, for instance, 
like he'll watch like the big card he'll watch conor mcgregor or he'll watch some of the welsh fighters but he's probably more of a boxing sort of fan generally and a couple of years ago when ronda rousey was like at her peak i had said to him one day or oh, you know um gonna watch ronda rousey's fight tonight whatever and he's like oh ronda is that a woman is it and i was like yeah yeah it's you know she's great fighters to always really entertaining stuff and he was like oh no i don't want to watch the women fight and like i feel like since then over the last probably maybe five or six years like women's mma has completely taken off and like me and danny talk a lot like in my opinion the best fights of the last 12 months for instance i'd say three out of the top five are female fights but you still feel like maybe people from the outside who don't follow the sport still kind of frown upon female fighting, whether it be MMA or boxing? Um, I've never really ran into it myself. I mean, I get a lot of questions as to why I don't obviously fight full time and everything, but I feel like the guys do as well. Um, people mm. that don't really understand the sport, obviously it's a little bit, it's a little bit strange when you tell them that you want to, you know, you want to get beat up for a living, but um, no, it's, it's to, to me, I think it's like you say, it's developed a lot and I don't really get any, sort of uh you know different treatment due to due to my gender obviously it's less common for women to be fighting so i do feel like perhaps there's differences in that regard but not because of my gender if that makes sense like like there's less women fights there's less common and everything but it's not because we're women it's just it's a smaller talent pool than obviously there's a lot of guys out there so it's a lot more common a lot more there's a lot more eyes on it almost but as you say some mm. of the best fights recently have been been women yeah, and you know, you said you competed for such a young age in jiu-jitsu tournaments and you've competed in Thai boxing. And being that you were so young, I take it that you was, you know, had the full blessing uh, of the people that care about you most, parents and so on and so forth. Uh, have they been supportive even as you decided to become a full-on pro MMA fighter? Because, you know, that, that's that's a big thing in anyone's life. And, the fact, you know, I've got a daughter and, I don't know, the thought of her getting in there, I just... I don't know how I'd handle that. You know, um, how's the parent side of things been with that? Yeah, I'm like you say, I'm very fortunate. Um, I definitely don't think I'd be where I am without them. Like I say, it was actually my dad's idea when I was looking at leaving school. He was like, well, if you really want to do it, like kind of, you know, give it 100% and go for it. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I made the agreement with them as long as I kept my good grades and, uh, you know, got like, I got like straight A's in my exam. Like they, they were like, yeah, cool. You can do what you want. Like, you know you've worked hard to kind of make your own decisions and they did nothing but support me. You know, my dad was driving me around for a couple of years after I left school because I couldn't drive. Uh, you know, he would literally sit in the car whilst I did like three hours at the gym and then he'd drive me to the next gym. And like, so yeah, they were, they were ridiculously supportive and they still are now. Um, you know, anything I need that they're to help me. So um, I'm very fortunate in that regard. Yeah. And who gave you this nickname? Because you you got on your profile here, you know, uh, Hobbit and Poppins. You know, what was that all about? Did you say something you gave yourself or... Did it something that transpire just amongst the training community that you have? You know, how did this name come about? So Hobbit was the first fight name. Um, that actually stemmed from back when I was like, I was about 14, uh, one of my Muay Thai fights. Um, they were always making jokes about, obviously, I'm vertically challenged. Um, so I, of, I get the... those jokes all the time still. <laughs> yeah, so one of the fights, my Thai coach looked at me and went, went you're like an angry little Hobbit. And then it kind of just, it just stuck. Um, you know, people would introduce me at the gym. They'd be like, oh, this is the Hobbit. So um, I kind of just took it on as my fight name when I left BKK as a bit of like homage to them, um, you know, because it's what they all call me. They still call me it. Um, but Uriah, 
for the last three years has been really trying to get me to to take on the Poppins name. Uh, like he was trying so hard, bless him, to make it catch on. He was like tagging it on everything, posting it all the time, <laughs> doing doing Instagram polls. Like, and, and he was like, you know, and I was still like, no, Hobbit, and uh, everyone here hated that. But um, yeah, he says he says uh, Poppins because I'm proper. Uh, I pop people in the face. I'm popping joints, and I also am the gym babysitter. So um, yeah. So after he got me the contenders fight, I said uh, I said I'd uh, take on the Poppins name as a bit of a thank you. <laughs> Excellent. See, like that is incredible. Like I know what it's exactly what it's like to be uh, made fun of for your height. My kids make fun of me now because they're all, well, all but all but one of them are taller than me. Then they, Hobbit feet is what I get called. But there you go. I'm sure it's. Uh, I'm sure they mean it lovingly. Um, what? Um, so obviously you did the UFC Contender series. Um, but what was it like? Uh, or talk us through when you got the call to kind of say that the UFC were going to sign you f- sort of full time and and how that felt because obviously. You know, that's uh, like a, the beginning of a culmination of all your hard work. Obviously, you know, every fighter wants to be a champion, which is the full sort of culmination of that hard work. But like getting to the biggest promotion in the world is a big step, isn't it? Yeah, um, obviously, I found out that night after I won uh, the contenders fight. That obviously, like Dana did his little post uh, post post you know event speech and he uh he, he signed everyone on the everyone on that night actually but um yeah it was great um there was a little bit a little bit of nerves obviously like he tried to build some suspense and he was umming and ahhing as to whether to do it but um like you say it's it's definitely a very big goal um of mine ticked off you know it's something that i've been wanted i've been aspiring to do my entire life you know i've been been working for over half my life towards this so um yeah it was it was it was almost like a sense of relief like i was just kind of like oh great like I'm here now um but like you say this is this is only step one um so I didn't really like dwell on it too much but I knew that all that meant was that I'm now in the you know even deeper waters and I've got to keep putting in even more work just to try and climb those rankings and prove to everybody that I'm uh, not only a UFC fighter but also the best. Was uh, were your parents there at the final of the contenders? Uh no so my dad's been at every single fight since I was well at, since I was competing in jiu-jitsu um so, you know, these were, these were the only two fights he couldn't come to because obviously they're in Vegas, COVID, lockdown and everything yeah, like course. that. So, um, yeah, so the last two fights have been the only ones that I've not had my family at, um, which is a bit of a shame. But literally, like, the second second they stopped the camp, took the cameras out of my face, I was straight on the phone to my family backstage. Um, they were actually trying to, they were trying to, like, you know, they, they rush us all into the room backstage after we fight so we can wait for the for the, um, you know, the who signed announcement and stuff, but they let me sneak off into another room and phone my parents. So uh, that was nice of them. That's cool. What, um, obviously you made your, your sort of full debut in the UFC uh, against Kay Hansen with, a, I thought, a, a pretty decisive uh, victory. I thought it was pretty impressive. Was it nice to kind of get that full debut out the way? Were you able to course, sort of enjoy it in the run-up to it and, and afterwards? Or was it kind of just complete fight mode and didn't really take it in? Um, to me, it was very much like a regular fight. Um, just because, like you say, I think too many people put too much pressure on the whole like UFC thing. At the end of the day, like you're going in there and you're fighting someone, uh, regardless of what organization it is. So I just approach every fight like it's you know the biggest fight of my life. Um, the only difference really was after contenders, I obviously had the opportunity to move out here full time. So I was able to do the full 12-week camp at Team Alpha Male. 
um you know it was a bit more relaxed because I was like I was situated there now as well so I kind of wasn't I didn't have all the other stuff going on um and yeah I've got a really good full uh full camp in with you know the, the best coaches available to me um despite like I say I I watched it back and um you know my coach degree I definitely think I won it uh it was a lot closer than I wanted to and obviously you know with the injury and everything um I haven't been able to jump straight in there yet but um yeah just hopefully next time I go out there and put more of a stamp on it and get a finish or something a bit more decisive what was the full extent of the injury after um I tore a bunch of ligaments on the outside of my ankle and I fractured my tibia so I had reconstructive surgery on it and then um I'm kind of still still recovering from that that's a nasty one that is like even just the ligaments on its own is quite nasty but to, to obviously to break your tibula as well is brutal so are you looking at will you be able to fight by the time this year's out or is it going to be probably early next year um i was aiming for maybe one at the end of summer and then one towards the end of the okay. year uh but i think i want to i want to make sure i'm being sensible um you know it's i'm still having trouble with the ankle um still easing back into it you know i'm just about hitting the bags but i'm having to keep like flat footed i can't i can't pivot or anything so i don't want to i don't want to throw myself straight into a fight camp and still have that that in the back of my head or not be able to go 100 percent. so i i'm gonna have at least one by the time the year's out but um i'm not really gonna put too much of the time like you know time restrictions on it because i don't want to i just I, i've done that already this injury i've been like oh the doctor said i can do this in a month and then i get to it and i'm like i can't do it physically and i'm getting all frustrated so um yeah i'm just gonna take it as it comes and hopefully get one or two in by the end of the year but uh just try and be smart because at the end of the day i've got you know, I've got like 10, 15 years left of fighting in me. I don't want to. I don't want to have a an injury that's going to plague me for the rest of my career. Yeah, the last thing you want to do is rush back and then do like, just even just like something innocuous, you know, just like a leg click, leg kick, or something like that, and your ankle goes, or you, or something with your tibula, just because you've not rushed back, but maybe haven't made sure that it's completely right. It's the last thing you want in terms of um, like long-term effects. Um, I know Danny's going to ask this question, so I'm going to nip in before <laughs> he does. But um, what was like some of the, the biggest differences you noticed from obviously teaming with, uh, training with Team Alpha Male compared to training over in the UK? Um, so I've been coming out here for three years now. I've been doing pretty much three months on, three months off. So I already had quite a solid base out here and I've obviously had a lot of experience training out here with the team. Um, the main difference for me and the reason that I wanted to move out here is predominantly the fact that we have that professional schedule. We have a professional team uh, back home. A lot of people, you know, there's not as many professional fighters in regards to like, you know, training all day and like having that schedule that can take to it. Like, you know, coaches have day jobs, like the fighters have day jobs. So I'm not having to drive like three, four hours a day just to just to go down around different gyms and try to find training so that I can get like two or three sessions a day in. Um, here it's kind of it's all under one roof it's all where I need it and like I'm guaranteed training partners on the mats every single day um, as well as obviously coaching staff yeah Danny that's something we've talked about numerous times isn't it like I think sometimes people maybe from the outside they don't realize how many professional MMA fighters in the UK have got day jobs or the coaches have got day jobs or other jobs which means that the amount of dedication and effort it takes to train professionally and hold down a day job it's just incredible and I think a lot of these fighters don't get enough credit for being able to do that because 
you know, I look at it and I think, Jesus, how could you go from like a, a full time job and train, you know, professionally to a high level to go and be a Cage Warriors champion or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, and I obviously as a coach yourself, mate, you will you will see, you know, we've talked about um, Tom Mearns and, and other fighters who do similar sorts of things. It's uh, it's quite brutal for some of those fighters, isn't it? Yeah, I think uh, the issue over here in the UK is that um, either the gym it itself can't financially support the fighters in a way where they can you know, reduce down to, say, part-time or, or not having a job at all. And also, they're not backed by sponsorship enough. Mm. Um, whereas when you're stateside or Canada, places like that, they, they're so much easier to get support through sponsorship uh, that can fund your, your lifestyle as a pro fighter when you're trying yeah, to make it before you can uphold yourself with your own financial means. Um, and I think that's, you know, going to lead a lot of people into temptation. I think particularly for the girls, um, you know, the girls are really taking off and you know how much I support that. I, I, I love watching the female bouts and I think they should feature more on the main card and, and, and being the main fights and co-fights of UFC more often. But, you know, that said, over here in the UK, it must be quite hard um to get the sparring and training partners in as a female you know because each gym maybe have two or three possibly four female fighters but then over spread of different weights as well so of course you have to travel around to get a mix of training and it can't be easy um you know just as another question to you corey you know when you say you've got everything under one roof i take it there's plenty of female you know fighters for you to to train with on a regular basis or do you find you're mixing with the guys um, so I mix in with the guys a lot, obviously, because like, they've got a lot of smaller guys and everything. Um, and I, I like working with the guys. I feel like, um, you know, they, they push me in ways that obviously like, the women aren't going to. But in that, in the same regards as I need female partners because they move in ways that guys don't. Um, there's a lot of women on the mat. Oh, there's not really a lot of women at the moment. Um, but, you know, my last camp, I had Sarah McMahon around. Um, I was training with um, Jan uh, she's ranked number three in the strawweight division, just fought Claudia Gadea literally a week before me. Um, so we did our camp together. I've also been traveling down to CSA on Saturdays to get some sparring with the girls there. They're really high level kickboxers. Um, you know, so there's, pl there's plenty of women around. Uh, it's not necessarily like a, like a large female team per se, but there's definitely a lot of female bodies for me to test myself against, um, as well as obviously smaller men. Um, and even even the slightly larger men, like like I have some thirty fivers that do my rounds and stuff. Um, but you know they know how to control themselves. They know how to move. They're very technical and skillful. So um, you know, so I think so long as I have a, a, a test every now and then with the females, I don't think I need it every single day. Mm -hmm. And uh, about inspiration, has there been like UFC fighters either in the past or present that sort of have inspired you, or do you, do you sort of like see yourself as a legacy in the making? And, and concentrate just on yourself. I mean, because, you know, we, we all appreciate good technique and good fighters and, and so on and so forth. But has this been someone that re really inspires you, that you found you followed their career? Um, so I always say, like, I take a bit of a different outlook on it. Like, I don't really necessarily, obviously, I'm very, very inspired by everyone that fights and steps in there and is uh, competing at the highest level. You know, that's where we all aspire to be. And you've got to have uh, mad respect for anyone that does that. But in terms of like actual day-to-day -day inspiration and motivation and like people that I, I, like, I aspire to be like um, personally, like it's the people around me. So like the people like Jack Mason, Uri Faber, stuff like that, not necessarily because of their fights. Obviously they're, they're all amazing fighters, all amazing coaches, but also like I see how much hard work they put in. I see them on the mats every single day. I see what they kind of like 
give to other people as well as what they're putting into themselves and like that in itself is like it's more like the behind the scenes that inspires me than the actual fights um because right. like say like there's this there's loads of fighters out there but um it's very rare that you get to see like you know you get to see that professionalism outside outside of the you know cage and um just see everything that goes on behind the scenes so i feel like i feel like the people that i'm surrounded by like the professional team at team alpha male and like say i've got jack mason and everyone back home like they're the people that kind of inspire me and uh, motivate me to kind of mm. put, keep putting in the work and you know be better do you um corey are you one of the sort of fighters so we seem to have come across two different types of fighters in terms of watching mma and there's the kind of the school of thinking um where they just watch everything every second of mma they can possibly take in they watch it and then there's other guys and girls who have kind of like they'll watch maybe the people around them their contenders their division but apart from that they're not interested they'll watch back their own fights but they don't really pay too much attention to it other than that where are you on that sort of spectrum in terms of watching mma um i'm kind of in the middle um you know, I'm definitely interested in it. I watch the fights, I'll stick them on. Um, but I'm definitely not as, as, I'm not like crazy about it. You know, I've got some friends that will talk to me and they recognize every single fighter in every division. They know the stats, they know they know the matchups. Me, I don't know the fight card until it's on the TV. Like, um, yeah. But it's it's not that I'm not interested in it. Like, I watch the fights from almost like a, like a studious, a studious kind of uh, like, you know, look, like I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to watch it, I'm trying to learn. Um, I don't necessarily follow it as a fan. Um, I always laugh with the guys and I'm like, I'm a doer, not a watcher. But, um, you know, I'll always I'll always watch the cards and I do enjoy them. And like I say, I have, I have respect for everyone that steps in there, but I don't necessarily follow, like, everyone's careers. I don't know all the drama that's going on outside. I don't follow the news. Like, I just watch the fights. Um, if I can, I'll watch them the next day and skip all the ads and all the talking as well. So I just yeah. kind of, like, I literally just watch the fights. I'm all about skipping the ads, I've got to be honest. There's uh, far too many. Um, we had a couple of questions sent in, and one of them s- sort of goes in with what Danny said there. Um, he, Danny asked you about uh, if anyone sort of past or present uh, inspires you. Uh, the question we had sent in was, uh, if you could fight any female past or present, who would it be? I get asked this one a lot. I really don't have one, and I know that that's like, in, in the same way as what I was just saying about me not like watching fights as a fan and everything like I kind of I'll fight anyone um not just saying it to sound like stereotypical and cheesy but like I just I just really want to fight so um I suppose whoever's the top of the division at the time uh when I get there so uh, that'll be who I want to fight so at the moment I think I've got wheelie I mean yeah. not right now obviously um mm. I'll be I'll be building up to that for sure but um no I just want I just want to fight like you know the the, the best woman um available to me and just so that way there's no doubt in anyone's minds you know when i get there that i am the best so uh yeah yeah, Mm. (laughs) i'm loving that yeah do you know can i just ask though corey you know you say you'll fight anyone and and so on and so forth but i take it you know would you still if you got given an option of fighters regards career moves um and you felt that maybe you know one person might have been be a step up or do you take that into account that might one person might be a step up too much and take a slightly safer bet to grow your career is that still something that you would still steer to do although obviously you would fight anyone you know push comes to shop but if you have the options would you not as a career move take something that would you know build your career being that you're so young as well yeah exactly like i said i've got like uh, you know, I've got over 10 years left of fighting in me, so I'm definitely going to be looking at it smart and look, making business moves. 
Um, you know, I'm, I'm not afraid to fight anybody. Like, I'm not interested in can crushing, but I'm also at that level where, you know, no matter who I fight, it's not going to be can crushing. So, um, yeah. uh, I always, I always take, I always remember and refer back to what one of the lads said to me, um, when I first started fighting, he said to me, uh, you know, a fighter's job is to fight anybody and, uh, the coach and manager's job is to stop them. So that's why I've got Jack. <laughs> that's why, uh, Jack that's and Uriah, good. you know, they'll, they'll discuss my fights. They'll decide what's the smartest move. And, um, you know, we'll take it from there. But it's kind of like the Kay Hansen fight. We got offered a few fights and we were both like, mm, well, you know, Kay's really tough. It's a, it's a risky fight, but we're both kind of on the on the rise. So it was kind of one of those fights where it wasn't make or break for either of us. We're like, we're going to fight eventually. So Uriah actually literally looked at me and went, might as well get it out of the way. So that was kind yeah. of what we did. Um, so, yeah, they definitely discuss things and like consider consider everything and make sure it's like, at the end of your business as a fighter. Like, you know, this is my profession. So I've got to I've got to make sure that I take the smart fights. Um, but like I say, I'm not afraid of fighting anybody. I'm going to get around to them all eventually. Yeah. Right. <laughs> sure. I was going to say, Danny, like um, Corey mentioned there about uh, Zhang Weili being the champion at the moment. And I was thinking, to be honest, she might still be the champion whenever your time comes around to challenge uh, Corey because she has looked uh, mightily impressive uh, over the last couple of fights. I'm a big fan. Um, and that's a fight I look forward to seeing in the future, I've got to say, straight away. I hadn't even thought of it. And then as soon as you mentioned it, I was like, oh, I'll have that fight straight <laughs> off. Um, so another question we got asked was, um, do you have a, a favourite favorite uh, entrance music to come out to for fights and is it different to music that you would train to or run to uh i walk out to chelsea dagger by the fratellis um tune. i love that song uh and yes when it comes on in the gym i definitely do spar a lot harder so mm-hmm. no not different to what music i would listen to and uh <laughs> yeah like um that's that's my walkout song that's probably the one i'm going to stick with for quite a while so um i think i've had that for all of my professional fights. Is that like your sort of musical taste, like indie and sort of that yeah. type of stuff? Yeah. Any yeah. favorite favorite bands? I've got to ask because uh, I'm obsessed with music. So I can give you three. I, I refuse on. to pick between the Pigeon Detectives, the Kooks, and the Wombats, but um, they're yes. my they're my top three. I've listened to them since I was like seven, maybe, uh, on my little CD player that I stole off my dad. So um, yeah, they're they're probably my favorite bands. But there's plenty out there. Danny, what that does confirm is that me and you are old. Um, (laughs) But, um, yeah, so another question which I found really interesting, which we got sent in, this one was from Gaz. He said, um, is there any young female fighters that we should be looking out for uh, following you up from either the Welsh or the UK scene uh, coming up next? There you are on the so spot many. There now. I know there are so many. Who said? Who asked that? Uh, Gaz. There are loads of like amateurs coming up, um, both male and female. Um, geez, I'm trying to think. I don't. I know that if I say some, I'm going to miss people out, and then I'm going to end up That's like offending. <laughs> um, oh. Because you remember, you remember like a couple, and then afterwards you'll think, oh, yeah. I'm also well. terrible. I'm also terrible with names, so I can picture them. Um, yeah. I'm just gonna say that there are loads, um, and I would keep an eye on the IMAF scene. Perhaps um, you know, there's they, they seem to be rising a lot of popularity. Um, yeah, 
there's there's a ridiculous amount of people coming up. Yeah, you know, uh, actually the ones who've watched probably um, there's been a lot of a lot of young, you know, both like I say both male and female on um, Jack Joe, the Cage Warriors Academy Southeast. Um, yeah, you know, he gets some Welsh fighters on there sometimes. Um, but there's also like I say there's a lot of there's a lot of up and comers all around England as well. So um, to be honest, I would just I would just keep an eye on that show. Uh, I, I honestly think Jack puts on one of the best shows in the country, um, especially for like say the up and comers, the amateurs coming through the scenes. So, at, like I say, I'd keep an eye on them shows and anyone that's been on there really. Have you seen that yeah. Invictus show? That, you know they put on all female bouts. Have you watched much of that? Yeah, I, I don't really watch it. Um, I feel like. I feel that like all women's shows are a tricky one, perhaps, for them to run, especially with the UFC taking a lot of the upper end of the, you know, the talent pool. Um, yeah, because it seems prefer- to become, you know how Cage Warriors, sorry to interrupt you, you know Cage Warriors seems to become a feeder show, hasn't it, for the UK yeah. scene or European scene to therefore get into UFC. And Victor's has come, become a little bit of a female route, you know, regardless of where you come from. So like, they run all their their events and they get their champion, inevitably the champions go off to UFC. Um, you know, I, I just get the impression it's become a bit of a feeder show, really. So they're going to get a champion, and they're very quickly going to drop the title and go off to UFC. Not that that's a bad thing, um, but it's just something that um, I'd watch because, like I say, I love seeing the female bouts and seeing you know such new talent coming up and through. And uh, uh, one time when I was out in uh, Dubai on USC, they had the Invictus channel is just playing stuff hour after hour, and I sat there for a good few hours watching some of these female talents. And some of the levels were really quite varied, but some of them were definitely talents that I'm expecting to see come up through the um, to the UFC at some point. Yeah, like you say, I think it started off as obviously a rival show to the UFC almost because obviously it was around when they weren't really having female fights in the UFC. And then once it kind of started introducing that, it, was, it became a feeder. I think things are changing a little bit at the moment. Like I know there's a lot of women obviously on like LFA and uh, other kind of, um, you know, large American promotions that have kind of become a feeder. So I, I know things are shifting a lot. Um, but like you say, like the talent's very varied on Invicta, um, mainly because I think it's, like you say, it's very difficult to run an all-female show when a lot of the, the higher-level athletes have obviously moved on to the UFC and everything. Um, I think they almost like, it almost like waters it down a little bit because they have right. to find girls to fill those cards. Um, yeah, I mean, I, like you say, I feel like the all-female things maybe, like you say, with the small talent pool, it's quite difficult for them to do. Uh, but I like, like I said, I like watching the UFC fights because I feel like because there's less of them, it's almost like a higher level, if that makes sense, like a higher, yeah. higher quality. Yeah. Um, whereas, like you say, there's not as many women out there. So for them to fill an entire card with females, they kind of got to like have anybody. Yeah, so yeah. Not knock, not knocking Invicta. I'm gonna get no, I'm gonna no, no. Grief for this. no, no. But no, no. I don't really, well, no. I don't really watch it. No. At the end of the day, it's just a great way for the females to gain experience and to build their records, or you know, to find out where they're at at the end of the day. So um, I think without shows like Invictus, it would you know make the expansion of the female fighters in the UFC a lot slower and more painful process. I, th- I think it's good to have these shows, and yeah, okay, the, the talent pool is really really varied, but uh, I just think it's going to be nothing but a positive thing. And okay, I think. Ultimately, UFC is where most people want to be. And um, we were discussing last week, wasn't we, Si? Um, you draft to be a UFC champion to you know, be respected to be one of the best yeah. in the world. Well, not necessarily. You've got Theodore that's done amazing things and created legendary status um, with his performances. So not necessarily entirely true. Although I do think in the modern day uh, fighter's perspective, UFC is sort of like becoming the ultimate goal for many. 
Do you think that's interesting, though? And I guess I asked both of you this. Like, I think for male athletes and fighters, you can, so like using Fedor as an example, he's managed to be regarded as one of the best fighters in the world without going to, like, without being in the UFC. Whereas, do you think it's harder for a female fighter to achieve that? Because Bellator, I don't think, do any female fights, or if they do, they do very little. You've got Invicta. Um, Cage Warriors, I think, has done minimal. Um, kind of, they don't do a great deal of the, the female fighters. So, like, there isn't. Like, you've got all the regional shows and stuff in America and, and around Europe, but generally, there's not as many kind of big companies outside of the UFC who are doing female fights. So it would be very difficult then in turn to be considered one of the best female fighters in the world without going to the UFC because that's where all the best fighters are. Um, um, would you say, Corey? I, I don't know. I'm asking. Bellator definitely, Bellator definitely do female fights. Um, there's been loads of females Yeah, of course on, they do because like, they did LFA Cyborg. Sorry. Right. Yeah, and like Kate Jackson and that were on yeah. it. Um, so they're definitely expanding, especially with uh, Bellator Europe. Like you know, you got like uh, Danny Nealon from Ireland. Um, mm. You know, she she was on it. There's, there's there's a lot of girls in the Bellator scene for sure. Um, again, there's been a lot of girls on LFA that have just come into the UFC. Or the girl that I fought on Contenders was LFA champ, and people were like kind of hyping her up a lot. Um, which is kind of where I was coming on the Invicta front. Is where I don't, I feel like maybe we don't need an all female show. Um, yeah. I kind of err on the side of it's a bit hypocritical if you didn't want an all male show as well. But um, uh, yeah, there's a, I think there's I think there's equal opportunities these days. I think people are like maybe a little bit more sensitive towards it, but there's definitely equal opportunities. There's just there is just less women. It's just something that's got to be accepted. Like you know, um, it, it's easy to say Cage Royce didn't have many female fights on, but I also people don't realize how difficult it was to find opponents. Like I was contracted yeah. to them. Um, you know, we were flying girls in from everywhere. We, we would ask, like, we would ask everybody around Europe, and there was, there just wasn't, there just wasn't really that many girls available to us. Um, especially once you get to a certain level, like you say, like, like the the window just closes and closes. So yeah, of course. Uh, I think it's easy for people to sit back and say, oh, there's not many women's fights on, but like, it's you know, there's, there's probably hundreds of thousands of men out there fighting, and there's like, you know, a couple hundred women. Like, it's it's so much different um so yeah i i wouldn't say there's really that much of a discrepancy at all uh between the genders just just proportionate yeah i suppose right. as well and um apologies to bellator as well because i, I had a complete brain fart and just <laughs> just wiped their female division from my mind for a couple of seconds there so i do apologize about that um but yeah i suppose and like when there's only like you say a few hundred fighters to choose from and all the best fighters go to the UFC, which is natural because they're the biggest promotion in the world. So they're going to want, you know, the top talent, the best fighters. There, it's going to be, it is going to be really difficult for for Cage Warriors and and to a lesser extent Bellator, but obviously all the various regional shows to be able to put on, you know, multiple female fights on a card because the, you can't put fights on if you haven't got the fighters to to do it um so that that must have been quite a frustrating uh issue for you Corey, whereby you were ready to fight and when like with cage warriors for instance you were ready to fight you wanted to fight but it's trying to kind of find 
someone who's willing to fight and to find the fighters on the level, if you like. Is that was that a frustrating time in one way for you? Um, yeah, well, I used to try and be proactive with it. It's definitely something like my dad would encourage and actually help me with. Like, you know, I'd, I would be, I'd be sending Jack names. I'd be sending the matchmakers names. I'd be like, look, like, you don't have to look for them. I'm like, they're here. Just message mm. these people. Um, yeah, definitely. Like, you know, like before the contenders, I think I had a year, year and a half off. And it was like for completely for reasons like out of my control. Like, you know, like, yeah. you know, the like, girl missed weight by a stupid amount of weight and then like you know they pushed my fight back which meant i then missed it because of covid and then just kind of like just stupid stuff that affected everybody like for the most part like, especially the covid stuff but um like i said i had an, i've had a lot of problems with like pull outs and everything especially my amateur career like like i used to refuse to answer the phone on fight week um if jack would call because i knew that that meant my girl had pulled out and in my head mm -hmm. i was like if i don't answer the phone it, di it didn't happen yeah. so like you know, like Jack would ring me and my dad would look at me and be like, what? And I'd be like, ulterior. Like, I know what this means. Um, so, yeah, like it, it was it's very difficult to find female uh, opposition. I've been very but I've been very fortunate in my in my setup. Like I say, I had Jack running the um, BCM mill, the Cage Warriors Academy, um, and he would fly girls in. You know, he, he'd fly girls from Poland, I'd girls from Sweden. Like he, he would just fly them in. Like, you know, I'd I'd um, we've offered to pay for opponents on so many occasions, you know, like just to get me fights. So. Yeah. um it's it's definitely hard um and like i said I've, I've definitely been fortunate in my kind of in my career path um so i can't complain but yeah it's it's definitely a challenge especially in europe yeah of course there's um there's some real good fighters in in europe female and male at the moment um and a few like a few of the top end of that sort of scene they do seem to be having issues matching up fighters like we had um jake Haley on a couple of episodes ago and like he was saying like he didn't feel like there was anyone on his level now to fight which becomes and another problem then doesn't it like finding someone to fight dan yeah 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 i mean i've, I've experienced the same difficulties throughout my career yeah, although i come from career. a different you know come from a different era really but because you know it was expanding at the time um, and I'd beaten the best there was around you. It become quite difficult to get opponents. And, and back from my time, everyone was trying to protect their records more, which made mm. people reluctant to, to take fights that they felt like wasn't suitable for them to continue to grow their own records. But yeah, yeah so I, I do understand how frustrating it is. Uh, I mean, it actually led to my retirement in the end because I was fighting, um, you know, between a year and a half and two years gap in between, surely because there was not the pool of fighters, which is the state and position that the females are in, which is going to get better. You know, it, it got better after I retired and stuff. Things really changed and things have opened up and you can pack out your fight record with no real issues. But yeah, the females are kind of going through that era and that sort mm. of process at the moment, but it will get better. And um, I just, like I say, I just wish and I hope that UFC just put on as a co-main event at least a little bit more because the female fights are a little bit more uh, rare and not so frequent we should perhaps feature them on the main card a little bit more often to get that attention out there yeah there's some top fighters as well in the ufc some real real good and entertaining but, well, yeah. fighters as well mate yeah um, i mean you said you said it yourself didn't you that we we think about three of the best fights of the year last year uh, you know in the top five were female fights oh, um, they, they put on some 
absolutely incredible spectacles of technique and uh, and toughness, intelligence, and uh, I can't wait to see more females, you know, pack out those divisions. It's going to be really, really interesting matchups in the near future, I'm sure. Hundred um, percent, Corey. I've got one more question from me, and then I've got one more question from JD, who sent it in. It's a bit of a fun one. Um, have you got, are you all right to answer them, or do you need to go? Oh, yeah, I'm all right to answer them. I just always get nervous when people say fun questions. Yeah, well, it's, not be that fun. Like, I, I should <laughs> say, it's, uh, yeah, maybe not. Maybe fun's the wrong word. Me, just like fun not, for too, who? not too serious. Not too serious. <laughs> okay. say. Um, so I'll give you the choice. Would you like the more sort of formal serious question first or do you want the one which is fun surprise me i'll figure it out okay where do you see yourself in five years uh i'd like to have that strap around you know around my waist uh, i think five years is is plenty of time uh, like i say i'm in no rush but uh if not at least at least in the top top three you know yeah yeah if them if you had the choice of like who was champion when you come to take it is there a particular fighter up at the top at the moment who you think I'd like to fight them? Uh, I think like we discussed earlier, you know, Wheelie's been looking absolute class. Um, I think she's arguably, you know, one of the best female fighters out there at the moment. So uh, it'd be pretty cool if she's still around, you know. Um, like say, I, I want to fight whoever whoever the the best is, you know, in yeah. everyone's head. Uh, so, you know, maybe I can catch her before she retires. Absolutely. Um, okay, so JD says... Um, we've seen a lot of uh, celebrity uh, back and forths with fighters. He did put celebrity in uh, quotation marks um, with Jake Paul insulting Conor McGregor's wife. Um, obviously, we've got Ben Askren fighting uh, one of them. I think it's Jake Paul in a boxing fight. Uh, and he says, first of all, what's your opinion of kind of YouTube stars or celebrities getting involved in MMA and boxing? And second of all, he said, uh, which female or male YouTube star would you like to fight? Or YouTube or celebrities, uh, would you like to fight? I don't know any. Yeah, that's the problem I would have. Yeah, yeah, that's the problem I'd have if you ask me. Not, not yeah, everyone sorry. Follow, follows that sort of thing. No. Yeah, I, uh, my, my uh, knowledge of all the other stuff is purely on the extent of memes that I've seen. Yeah, yeah. People's stories. Um... <laughs> I also forgot what the first part of that question was. Oh, you just said, what, what's, your, what's your opinion of, like, um, the kind of celebrities and YouTubers sort of... Yeah, people know, are not real coming fighters. Over, coming oh. over into the fight, yeah. fight, um, fight game. I'm not against it. So long as they're, like, training hard and they're taking it serious and they're not just doing it for a bit of hype. But my thing yeah. is, was I don't think they should get special treatment just because of who they are. You know, like, if you yeah. if you want to fight, like, if you genuinely, like, if it's something you want to do, regardless of who you are, I think you should have the opportunity to do it. Um, but, you know, you, you should have to work your way up, you know, like, yeah, like everybody else. So, so you, you can't just, you know, make some super videos on YouTube or whatever that dude's doing and then, you know, get a, get a really high-level fight. And, yeah, I mean, hey, if, if he's getting the payday and he's making it work for him for sure and he's probably a bit nuts if he's not training hard for it but um I, I think i think there shouldn't be any special treatment like you say i think i think the sport's great for everybody and the opportunity should be there for everybody you know you can't just you know pick and choose who does it but i think everybody should start off from square one and work their way up for sure um the other thing i wanted to very quickly ask you which i just just kind of thought of this now was um we obviously we see in the male divisions you see quite a lot of oh you know not uh, all the time, but 
at various points there's a bit of going back and forth on the mic and it can get quite personal and there can be a bit of animosity between certain characters and certain fighters. Why do you think we don't see that so much on the female side? Have you seen women trash talk? Bloody awful. Um, <laughs> I remember... Jo- <laughs> I'm honest. Like, uh, I remember Joanna trying a bit of trash talk and I was just sat there like, oh, no. Um... Yeah, I mean, you don't see as much. I feel like maybe women get a little bit... I I don't know. I I can get away with saying this. I'm a girl, so it's all right. They get a little bit more emotional. Things get a little bit more petty. and so I feel like the guys are a bit more open to having a bit of banter and a bit of a laugh. You know, I'm always... Me and the guys are always ripping each other in the gym. I'm I'm definitely not thin-skinned. But, um, yeah, the the women's division, I've I've yet to see anybody where they've actually had a decent bit of trash talk and some actual humour. But um, you never yeah. know. Maybe I can. Maybe I can come out the woodwork one day. Well, look, um, I wouldn't have said that, and I doubt Danny would have. But because you said it, I said what you were thinking. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, look. Well, Cyborg tried a bit of trash talking, didn't she? Before, and then when she got some back, she sort of took a ball and went home. She wasn't that. She didn't like it. But, um, you know, in my opinion, if you're going to give it, you've got to take it back as well. Um, and lastly, I wanted to ask you about your art because I saw some of that today and it is phenomenal. I was, oh, thank you. It was really, like, really cool. One of the guys who I do a podcast with is an ex-footballer and he does like a bit of art just to sort of keep himself busy after retiring from football. And... Um, like he's really good as well but like I, I looked at yours and I was just like wow that is incredible like is that something you've always done uh yeah I've kind of like drawn and painted since I was a kid um just a bit of a hobby like a sketch pad's easy to take to the gym and do between sessions you know so mm. um and also being a broke fighter for my entire life uh it's also a lot cheaper to to gift people something thoughtful than it is something valuable so um no, but like, I, I used to just paint canvases for my family and, you know, for myself and everything. And once I kind of like got the, the UFC call, obviously got a little bit of a better following. So I started posting some more because they started gaining a bit of popularity. And mm. yeah, it's just kind of kind of seeing where I can take that as well. Can people purchase some of your art as well? Yep, I'm currently working on setting up um, like a website. I want to build a base of stuff on there that's available to like buy or like I can do copies of and everything. Um I'm looking into doing that. I'm currently working on a lot of like, I get, I've, I've had quite a few kind of requests um, mm. that, I've, that I'm working on uh, slowly working my way through, you know, the, the gym's my priority, um, but I'm obviously, you know, I, I really enjoy doing that. And I'm, you know, it means a lot of the people obviously, you know, like them and appreciate them enough to, to ask me to do stuff for them. So um, this is my side hustle as Faber keeps yeah. telling me. Cool. <laughs> Um, okay, tell the people, Corey, where they can find you on social media, etc. Um, Corey McKenna ninety nine on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I have an art page which is Poppins Paintings. Uh, if we Kim, we just spoke to that about that, and uh, I have a Facebook page for Corey McKenna. So nice and simple. Cool. Yeah, I'll link all that below as well, uh, below the episode, so you can go straight to that. Check out Corey's art and uh, follow her on social media. Corey, thank you so much for joining us. Really, really appreciate your time, and uh, it's been good fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been awesome talking to you, and good luck with the injury. I'm sure it won't hold you back, but, yeah, 
but certainly be patient because you're certainly young enough to to put that patience into play and you'll be fine. Look forward to following your career. Thank you very much. Cheers, Corey. Right, cheers, Corey. Corey Bye. McKenna, Danny Batten. That was good when I yeah. enjoyed that. She's, yeah, um, lovely girl. Yeah, very, yeah, very articulate. Yeah. And uh, she, um, you, straight away you could tell, like, with so many of these fighters, they, they know what they want and they, they've got, they're very focused on getting it aren't they? and they, and how they're going to get there. Um, but like, I was impressed with, uh, she just got her head screwed on, real, like, sensible. Like, even when we talked about, um, like, future fights, and she mentioned uh, Zhang Weili, who was obviously the champion, but it wasn't like, I would take that fight tomorrow. It was, mm. you know, I'm not afraid. I would, you know, I would fight anyone, but now, maybe now is not the right time. I want to build up to, to that. And I, I, I think that is quite a refreshing attitude for any fighter to have because yeah it's very easy to fall into that kind of like oh yeah i you know i take that fight tomorrow and you know i'd fight anyone and even if maybe now isn't the right time because that's like almost that fighter mentality isn't it is fighters will fight anyone and they'll fight they want to fight for titles and yeah that's what i love about the mma fight game really um you, you, I mean, you, you're probably going to get your odd fighter that's avoiding another fighter. I suppose that can happen, but it's such a rarity. Um, but initially, if there's interesting matchups to happen, they inevitably happen. You, know, mm. um, you don't get one MMA fighter running away from another. Of course, you've got to pick the right fights for your career growth, like we were discussing earlier with Corey. But yeah, I, I like that about MMA. Everyone's really honest and willing to put it on the line to find out really who's who's who, who's where. Yeah, 100%, mate. Um, so just before we go into UFC 258, I wanted to just quickly go through a couple of little news bits with you, get your opinion on them. Uh, first and foremost, uh, Dana White has said uh, that they're looking to do McGregor versus Poirier 3 this summer, uh, but it oh, wow. won't be for a title. Um, but it looks like it's on. Um, are you a bit surprised by that? I am a little bit surprised, but... Um, and I think there will be interest for it, actually, uh, because, you know, McGregor's had so much time in and out of MMA. Um, you know, maybe it would have shaken off some any potential rust that he could blame it on, I suppose, you, you know, if you want to look at it that way. Um, yeah, they want a piece. So, yeah, put it on. Let's, let's see the trilogy of that. Yeah, 100%. And um, what else we got? We got so Bobby Green was due to fight uh, Jim Miller on last night's UFC 258 card, but during the weigh ins, uh, Bobby Green collapsed backstage. Oh. Uh, oh. So that fight was yanked from the card. Um, don't know too much about it. I assume it's probably something to do with the weight cut, unfortunately. Mm. Um, it's just one of those things, you know. Maybe in years gone by, if he was up and about quite quickly afterwards, you know, like I'm talking mm. a, a long time ago, maybe 10 years ago, he probably still would have fought. But yeah. it's the right decision if any fighters, you know, collapsing or or struggling mm -hmm. that much during a weight cut. It's, that's just got to be, you've got to protect the fighters from themselves, haven't you, at, uh, at certain points. Um, yeah. Hopefully they'll put that fight back on, though, at some point, because that is a, yeah. like a good that's fight. That's a good mashup. Yeah, that's definitely a good matchup. Um, and then the other bit um, of news, Chemayev versus Leon Edwards is off again. Uh, look, mate, I'd be in that fight. I really would because I just think 
it's not happening at the moment. Yeah. At least, at least for the moment, I would bin it because it's just delaying Leon Edwards more and more, having to keep. Yeah, waiting. it's not good for him. Um, I do it's feel a bit for, for Chimaev because apparently Chimaev is having real problems with uh, COVID. He can't. Um, he's having trouble shaking it, and you know, obviously, I think it was his manager said that at one point he thought he was going to die. It was that oh, bad. Wow. So it does sound like you know he's. It's not uh, a case of him, you know, trying to avoid the fight or anything like that. It sounds like he's mm. genuinely having some issues with the COVID. Um, yeah, yeah. Dana White is looking to put on Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington. He said that makes sense as a That's potential awesome. next match next month, as early as that. So that would be an incredible fight. Um, and then lastly, sixth uh, of March, UFC two five nine, the main event of Jan Blauchwitz versus Israel Adesanya. And you know who our guest is on the 7th of March, don't you? It's, uh, only, it's, it's only a certain uh, a certain scouser who's always got plenty to say. So that'll be an interesting weekend for us, mate, that one. I'm really looking forward to that. It's going to be a great one. But um, I've contacted a couple of people there again now the last couple of days. Include I tried to contact Leon Edwards as well, um, but I don't know if that'll come about. We'll have to wait and see. But um, hopefully, if he ever sees this, Leon Edwards, get in touch with us because we'd love to interview you. That'd be um, pretty good. We talk about you enough, so we'd yeah. love to get your take on it. But uh, let's get into the, the, the card from last night. Um, as you know, mate, and as regular viewers will know, we tend to focus on the main card. But there was two fights that I, I asked you to check out um, on the the prelims. Uh, so the first one was uh, <clears throat> Belay Mohamed versus, uh, defeated Diego Lima. <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, via unanimous decision, um, thirty twenty seven all across the board. Uh, Diego Lima, obviously brother of Douglas Lima. Um, I really enjoyed this fight. I thought it was phenomenal in like different ways. Like uh, for instance, I thought. Diego Lima's leg kicks were incredible, but he was mm. really struggling to do anything outside of that, apart from the odd shot. He didn't, he couldn't get any momentum going throughout the fight. And and Belay Mohammed, wow, he was just non-stop pressure. Um, yeah, and that was the most impressive I think he's looked physically. It's the most impressive I've seen him in a fight. Like you know, his stamina is always going to be incredible. He's it always is. Yeah, but. The pace that he took, he, uh, he took uh, Diego Lima apart, just took him apart, and um, I really enjoyed the fight. It was a pretty dominant victory for Belay Mohammed, and I really would like that. You know, he was the the ranked fighter going into the fight, but I'd really mm. like to see him face someone now with a bit of who's going to test him because he looked good. Yeah, he did look good. And, oh my goodness, you know, he was really eating up some of those leg kicks. Um, he was switching stance on occasions. Mm. It was a little less effective um, when he was switching his stance to southpaw. So he'd go back to his uh, main stance again, taking the risk of being leg kicked again. But he literally squeezed the leg kicks out of Lima eventually. But um, I think a lesser, lesser fighter would have been put out by those leg kicks. But the pressure was relentless. The cardio was relentless. I think the key to his success really is the way that he don't explode his combinations. He's sort of like, uh, you know, hitting singles, doubles, triples, and you know, maybe up to four hit strikes, but none of them with full bore. You know, he's 
just staying so close. You don't have to rush in, rush out. He's not wasting any energy with slick footwork. He's literally just squeezing you down. You know, you've got a choice. Stand and trade in the middle by not backing off or, or, or back off and try and find something on the counter. But, you know, Lima looked like he was going to find success with that leg kick. It, it really was troubling uh, Mohammed at one point. But, yeah, Mohammed's just so tough, so tough. I mean... Yeah, he, he did limp a little bit. He did get a little bit light on the leg. Um, you know, to shoot in, to mix it up, to have opportunities. But, you know, the other thing that I want to point out with Lima, yeah, his leg kicks were amazing. And his takedown defence as well, which I think is something that's been a little bit of a weakness in his previous, you know, yeah, um, improved a approach lot, to UFC. Yeah, he's really nailed that down. He's done very, very well. Um, Mohamed's, you know, good everywhere. He's a great wrestler as well. And to defend the amount that he did whilst under that barrage of attacks was utterly impressive by Lima. But having good defence doesn't win you fights. And, um, mm. yeah, he was just banking on those leg kicks, having something, to, you know, to, to say in regards to changing the result. It just wasn't to be, but so so nearly was. Um, so was it a bad strategy? Not necessarily. Um, I think maybe he needed more rounds to get those leg kicks to, to perhaps be consequential enough to switch the result round. But... No, it wasn't to be. Mohammed nailed it down, and Mohammed is looking that strong. I think he's ready to break through into some, some of the serious, serious, serious people. Yeah, yeah, and um, I think we're going to still see some successes even when he steps up. Yeah, I agree, mate. And I got to say, by the way, um, the other fight I asked you to take a look at was the um, <clears throat> Fluffy Hernandez, Anthony Hernandez versus uh, Dolfo Vieira, um, which Hernandez won by submission. And a guillotine choke uh, about two minutes into round two, but boy oh boy, this was fascinating, fascinating yeah. watch. But one thing that this does, mate, um, this goes to prove that if you're going into the UFC thinking that you can be a world class BJJ or just a world class striker and you can live just off that, you you can't, you you cannot do it. You have to have an all round skill set. And and Anthony Hernandez. Uh, is a purple belt in BJJ, and he choked out some one of the the best uh, BJJ practitioners in the world um, in Vieira, and he did it convincingly in the end, mate. Yeah, in the end, it was um, you know he it, it was literally one of two ways. It was either you know one dominating the other while he had the energy to do so, but then when the coin flipped, it was complete dominance uh, in in reverse. Um, yeah, you're, you're, you're right. You can't just go in there with one skill set anymore. There's a the odd, you know, standout in, in certain fighters. But, yeah, you, you can't just be a jiu-jitsu world champion and have it on the ground and expect to just win. Uh, it's just not going to be the case. Now, um, when uh, Vieira began to gas, this is like what we put the athletes through in regards to the pros. Um, we get the amateurs to shark tank them. And the shark tank mm. is designed to push all the energy and technique to such a degree that they do begin to foul and you'll start getting the amateurs tap them out take them down what depending on what that shark trank drill is um you know it's designed to make you physically foul and learn to survive at deficit um and that was the case really that's why he got submitted i mean if they was going to roll rounds of just submission um this would never happen but the fact that this is mma and he appeared to 
of let it all out in that first dominant spell that he had on the ground trying to hunt for that arm triangle. He clearly took something out of himself. I think it was a combination of trying to go for that arm triangle and trying to do that upside down um, arm bar, inverted arm bar, facing yeah, down yeah. to the ground. Um, then he turned it into a big flip and sweep, created some chaotic movements. And I just think he ran his muscles out too quickly. Um, I just think he had a big deficit of lactic acid because um, he's certainly big at the weight, a strong lad at the weight, as well as being really technical gifted. But like the shark tanks do, once you're exhausted, once you're really super tired and you don't, can't get into a state of recovery, man, your belt level drops. You know, suddenly you'll get blue belts tapping out black belts. Um, and, and that's kind of what we witnessed there, really. He just got so exhausted, he just could not, could not fend off the attacks coming at him. Yeah, I don't remember seeing many fighters look as tired as he did like at the end of that first round coming out for the second like he looked like he was so tired he couldn't even lift his arms yeah. um <clears throat> look and i'm sure he'll go away and he'll think about the mistakes that he made and and this yeah, and this, the other but this like, was, uh, at yeah, certain points this... mate in that first couple of minutes he was you know milliseconds away from winning Com you know, really was yeah and it could have been such a different night for him like he could have choked him out or put that triangle on him in the first minute looked super impressive and everyone would have been talking about how dangerous a fighter he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly, you, know, you could look at this in boxing matches. You can come out and try and knock the guy out in the first three rounds, but if you foul, you've you still got another nine rounds to get through if, yeah. if you're fighting up at that level with 12 rounds. You know, it's going to be great on your highlight reel if you do stuff the guy away. It's going to look great. But if you don't, it's going to be a long night and you're probably going to lose. You know, so that's the way up, really. You can do the same in submission. You can put force along with technique um uh, to try and get the job done but if you don't pull off and you've put the force in and you get into a position of deficit the difference with mma is you know you're not just scrambling positions you're scrambling positions and getting hit and they're mm. scrambling up they're disengaging you've got to re-wrestle again you, it, it's a different sport in its own right but i actually think there was um probably an underlying issue with the way he's cut weight or the fact that he's cut too much weight and okay. maybe didn't rehabilitate properly to be that tired at this level of athleticism, because there, there is nothing wrong with his um, athletic capabilities. We've seen that in the past, but I just think he's got something wrong in terms of the weight cut, maybe trying to be too much of the bigger man. And um, He is big. Isn't yeah, he's for for he really, really big and thick, uh, thick set, highly muscled, and it really went against him this time around. Could have looked so good. I mean, come on, we could have been sat here so easily talking about the arm triangle finish or... yeah. You know, that about how high, high level yeah. jiu-jitsu is and uh, it could have been as a, as a technical thing to point out, I think Vera, when he went for that belly down armbar, I think he should have kept the shin over the back of the head to force to roll. Yeah. So he had the armbar attempt um, off of his back and then could have scrambled for a top position, controlled the pace um, and at least knit the round away and had sense of recovery mm. by being in a dominant position. But he allowed it to be still chaotic. Now, when you're trying to do a belly down armbar and you don't choose to do the shin over the top of the head and you go in front of the face, which is pointed down, and they're, they're going to be on top unless you, you, you create some chaos. And you had to create some chaos, which obviously is losing control and keeping the pace fast. You can't keep attacking, attacking, attacking. You're going to fatigue at some point. I think we saw a good double yeah, of like, that. Um... Joe match. Rogan seemed quite surprised that he didn't put his shin over the back of his head. Like he said, he's going to put his shin over the back of his head now for this armbar. And then he didn't do it. And he caught, sort of caught himself then, Joe Rogan, on commentary and was like, oh, he could do that. But he seemed surprised yeah. that he didn't go with that route of doing it, I suppose. Well, yeah, I mean, you can do it the way um, 
you know, what Vera was going for. You can you can do it that way, but yeah, yeah. The, um, the 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 reason why the shin over the top of the head would be considered a little bit better is because you get other transitions. You can finish belly down, but you can also force the roll, um, okay. and they, they they roll over, and then you'll 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 be effectively like you're coming off a mount for an arm bar. You're, you're going to have another shot at that submission. Um, okay. But yeah, he he chose he chose the route which was, you know, all that or nothing, and he lost control and had to scramble up to the feet. And this is keeping his heart rate and his muscles working hard, and he went into major deficit. I think uh, it's big big performance and big result for Fluffy Hernandez. Um, I really felt like um, this was almost like a bit of a coming out party for him. Like in terms of this was a big fight for him, big opponent, someone who's highly skilled and. Like generally, his defense against uh, those, you know, there was a couple of ominous positions which Vieira had, and and Hernandez got out of them. You know, he didn't he didn't run out of time before he tapped him out. He did sort of twist and roll, and he he wriggled his way out. And and yeah. I think he deserves credit for being capable of doing that, and then going on to, you know, see the fight home. Yeah, look, you know, submissions and, and putting the fight away regards grappling, um, you know, that takes a lot of learning, a lot of process to develop. But it doesn't take much to develop defensive skills and avoidance skills of these um, submissions um, regards being an, an, an MMAist. So if that was just a grappling match, obviously, he's still fighting in the hot frying pan. He's going to get burnt at some point and, and constantly. But because he's an MMA, you know, mm. it don't take much to know how to defend. And you can disengage the ground. You don't have to be there. So not only is the grappler trying to create the submission sweeps or what, whatever situation he wants to, to create for himself on the ground, the fact is the other guy might not want to be there and don't have yeah. to play it. It's not like a grappling tournament where you have to engage. He could choose just not to. And so you're fighting to keep it down on the ground with someone that's looking to keep scrambling up, and that's the kind of issue that we saw here. You know, you have to be well-rounded. There's no two ways about that's it. Nice, yeah. Always do your attacks with no expectation that they're always going to work. Of course, throughout the attacks, because you've got to play the game with regards to whether this is going to be striking, whether it's going to be shooting for a takedown. Always do it with full vigour. I, I get you should do that, but never have an expectation it's always going to work so that you're always thinking ahead of the if question. You know, mm. And I, I felt like uh, you know the submissions would be applied in such a way that he was expecting to get it so much that when it didn't, he got lost. He become panicked. It was like a strong swimmer realizing he's caught in a tide that was taking him out. And no matter how strong you are, you can't get back. He's going to panic too. And um, yeah, and great for Hernandez. You know, this is brilliant for him. You know, he's yeah, brought himself right up into relevancy now. You know, he'd be on the main card next time around. I'm sure of that. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, going on to the main cards, we started off with uh, Julian Marquez versus Maki Pitolo. Um, I was looking forward to this one. Uh, it didn't really disappoint. Um, Marquez defeated Patolo via submission. Anaconda choke, four minutes, 17 into the third round. Yeah, I mean, if you watched the beginning of this fight, you would never think that result was going to be the way it was. Um, no. Patolo come out really hard. And what I liked about this is something that um, I've been covering with some of my pro fighters is to start out a little different from you typically would. So don't always come out in your normal stance. Maybe come out in your opposite stance and um, throw some attacks off from the opposite stance that land you back into your comfortable stance so you can then mm. um, uh, come back out from your combination. He come out opposite stance to throw those body kicks. And this was quite clever because it very nearly 
um, caught Marquez out completely uh, cold, um, and it looked like he was really, really under pressure. But Marquez maybe put a little bit too much energy again. You know, again, this is someone who's not, not managing his energy levels very well because the latter part of that first round, um, Marquez started really getting it together and coming back at Patillo. I still think Patillo won that first round, though. Yeah, I um, think so. But, yeah, but coming into that second round, uh, again, Patillo come out looking quite good, but Marquez had plenty of time where he was in the dominant position. It's actually looking quite good for Marquez. Now, Marquez was on the back, wasn't he, at one point? And mm. it, I don't know whether it was a case of him losing his balance a little bit or going for the armbar. Um, I think it's more of a case that he lost his balance off the back. He just didn't position himself well. And, and a couple of you know, sloppy decisions. Now, I'm going to put that down to the fact that you know, it's been a while since he's been in there. And I, I just think he lost a little tightness and um, made some mistakes in his decision-making because of that. Um, I think now he's got back in, as long as he gets another fight in the next coming months, I, I think he would have got rid of any potential rust that I think that I saw um, that night. But he started coming on really, really strong. Patillo just looked like he began to fade each round. Uh, Marquez was looking proper tired too, but just looked more comfortable with the fact that, hey, I'm in deep water, you're in deep water, I'm more comfortable there than you are. And he kept coming forward, kept pushing through. And of course, he, yeah, Marquez got the finish. That's a great return for him after that kind of uh, time out from the cage. Yeah, like I thought uh, it was interesting. Patolo's coach said to him going into the last round, just don't make a mistake. And yeah. Marquez's coach said, you need to finish. Yeah. And ultimately, that's kind of what it came down to. Uh, Marquez went and got the finish. And Pizzolo, did he make a mistake? Did he tire? Yeah. I, you know, it's, I don't know. I'll leave that one up, yeah. to, up to the experts to decide. Sure. But it's interesting that the coach, what the coach said and then how yeah. it kind of went it on. Can make, it can make the Pizzolo, difference loses that round but doesn't get finished I think he probably wins the fight possibly so yeah yeah possibly so and and you're right you know this is when you're in the fight yes itself you know you can't see the Small bigger margins. picture yeah and and that's for the coach's experience um to to say the right type of thing knowing what's going to inspire that fighter to do the right thing in that final round and yeah you quite quite possibly we witnessed something there that was said to do different fighters and you know, might have edged it. It might be that last thing that you needed to hear to push out and get the win. Yeah, and I mean, we just like we just talked about the um, Fluffy Hernandez and uh, Vieira, um, how that fight could have been, you know, very different just by yeah, absolutely a couple of seconds. So it's it's real, really fascinating stuff, mate. I got to say. Next up was Ricky yeah. Simone versus Brian Keller. Uh, this was moved from the main card after Bobby Green which we discussed uh, just now with claps backstage. Uh, Ricky Simone, impressive again, mate. Uh, My goodness, on didn't decision he? Decision 30-27 all across the board. Yeah, he, he, he looked great. He was using his hands, boxing to the head, boxing to the body. He was throwing in those low point kicks. Um, he was wrestling. He was really demonstrating his full, full dexterity of MMA. Um, I think maybe in the past we've seen him work just his striking, but we saw a little bit of everything from him um, against... Uh, uh, Brian Keller. Uh, Brian Keller, mm. you know, he's a strong guy. He's someone who can put you away with one punch. And Ricky Simone was um, doing enough without over opening himself up to get caught. Now, in saying that, he did get caught down the centre line numerous times with that front face tape that could have could have been nasty. Um, had one hit the right mark. Um, I think Brian Keller 
once he did it the first time and then he scored it the second time, this encouraged him to keep throwing that teep up to the face. But to be honest, that was kind of like boiling down to being all that he had left to throw at him to to, mm. to get success. I mean, Simone just shut everything down. It was uh, a truly impressive strategical match by him, uh, technical match by him, and um, and and great conditioning to, to attack as frequently as he did, but also the maturity that he seemed to demonstrate. Like I say, he didn't overrun himself like we've talked about just in those previous fights. He was working a good pace, but a good pace where he was always really super sharp. You know, he never ever ran himself ragged where he would get himself tired. He was always actively working in proactive positions, at, but where he kept control. He had control at all times, whether it was on the feet, whether it was in the clinch standing wrestling, or whether he got it on the ground. He just kind of just smothered his way to, to victory. It was utterly impressive. It really, really was. It was indeed, mate. Ricky Simone's had an impressive couple of fights. Um... Next up he has. was uh, Kelvin Gastel Gastelum defeating Ian Heinch by unanimous decision. Uh, this was close, 30-27, 29-28, 29-28. Um, we discussed this one last week and we weren't sure which Kelvin Gastelum was going to turn up. Um, what, yeah. Which one did? Well, yeah, the, the, the good one and the best one I've ever seen, to be honest. Um, and I say that because of how he mixed it up. He normally just relies on his striking of course he's a difficult customer because he's southpaw for one and generates a lot of power for a small guy and he keeps walking forward he's a fearless um, attacker a fearless hunter and uh, we saw some of that but the way he mixed up the wrestling against another very very good um, wrestler um you know uh Heinish is 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 a good and big at the weight as well he's not a small guy he can wrestle no. he can strike a little bit but to me he just looked um Heinish just looked a little a, a little rough around the edges technically it, 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 yeah he was just lacking a little something in the striking he was lacking something in the wrestling lacking a little bit on his ground uh, offensive yeah and and i think that was just all too much in combination with the fact that gaslam was just looking on fire he was making really good decisions he wasn't relying purely on his striking he was mixing up shooting in and doing some amazing takedowns um some of his takedowns were borderline slams he was getting so underneath the center and center of gravity on uh Hainish and, and taking him down um it just showed the confidence in his transitions really and i think one-on-one you know Hainish is a better wrestler on paper but the fact that gaslam was forcing the mix with his hands he was getting those clean entries and and making himself look, look like a complete mmis in 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 every degree i just hope that he maintains this type of form and this type of decision making in his next fights because he can bring himself back up into being taken seriously i mean it's not an easy fight for anyone at any time gasolin but i just feel like he become a little bit too predictable in what he was wanting and how he would go about it in each fight and people just work against that in a, in a strategic sense in preparation for their training for him um with this one he's going to be a much harder gaslam to figure out because he's going to bring everything to the table wrestling grappling and his grappling looked good really did look good and um, as he, we know his striking is already good anyway so yeah keep gaslam like this and he'll be getting back up into the the, the higher ranks and we see him in those in those uh, uh you know in that sort of top five rank again top, yeah. um, what, what, what was Heinish rank because he's sort of just coming up into the ranks oh, do you remember what he was i can't remember i'd have to have and he look. worked himself up i that agree close with you though Gaston. i thought um that uh i thought gastelum looked about as impressive as he has uh ever so um 
what are we? Light have no. Was it heavyweights or light heavyweights? Uh, uh, no middleweight, isn't it? No middleweight. Yeah, no, no, not as heavy right. as that. Middleweight. Yeah. Uh, do 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 do. Let's have a look. Middleweights. 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 Which obviously we've got that massive fight coming up from the middleweight division there. Yeah. And, and while you're having weeks. a look on there, I just want to say they both have attacks with um, hammer locks on each other. And mm. um, and when they're doing this, they're both doing it with their thumbs holding around the wrist, um, either their own wrist or the opponent's wrist. Now, I don't particularly like 15. that variation. Uh, is, uh, oh, is, oh, sorry. And, and, right, okay. Yeah, I wonder whether, you know, so obviously broke into top 15 to be able to face up against someone like Gasol. Mm. Wasn't too sure. But, um, yeah, what I was saying was um, the Kimura attacks. Now, they're doing it with their thumbs around. Now, I don't particularly like that variation in MMA. Um, or in nogi grappling for that matter, because your hands are wrapped, you're wearing gloves as well, and it weakens your grip. It enables people to um, drive their arm out straight. Now, if you put your thumbs against your fingers and hold in what we call a paddle, uh, I don't know whether there is another technical name, this is just a name I put to it, but we do our hammer locks with paddles, and it okay. um, strengthens your fingers so that they can't straighten the arm so easily. Um, so that was just something that I saw that you know, it doesn't favor what i would think will lead to success with those um hammerlocks and kimura attacks that those both doing on each other to me those both making that statement it, it, it made it so that really that it was never going to happen for them i think if they made that small little change i think they would be more effective than those attacks if they want them in in future fights that they, ha they have they could have perhaps put the fight away if they had made that small adaptation interesting mate that's why uh, that's why you're on for the technical analysis mate and i challenge yeah. anyone to to uh, give me technical analysis as good as that mate I oh man that's anyone. amazing honestly there's a, there's amazing guys out there. there there really is trust me on that nah don't say that mate you gotta gotta no, sell i'm just being yourself. honest sell the show sell us i am good i am good though side but there, there is some real talents out there there really is you are good you are great mate that's why we that's why we do this thing but yeah um, yeah Next up was uh, Alexa Grasso versus Macy Barber. Uh, unanimous decision to uh, Grasso, 29-28, all around. And uh, the ladies did not disappoint again. Oh, I love this fight. This fight was really good. Now, I think I went for Macy Barber, didn't I, for the win on this you one? You did, and I went yeah. for Alexa Grasso. Yeah, and, and this is because Grasso was coming up a weight, I believe. Um you know, she would always have really hard weight cuts, but I believe that she'd come up a weight, and, and that's why mm. I went against her on this one. Um, I wasn't sure whether she was going to be um, strong enough or, or big enough at this weight, but I think the fact that she didn't have to kill herself by perhaps making weight so much, she just had so much energy about her, and I think that's what Barbara initially really suffered with, with the fact that Grasso was just constantly working and wriggling and moving. Now, uh, so I feel like Barbara was really like losing on work rate uh, and technical Christmas in combinations with the striking against Grasso. And she started slipping herself away. I felt like she had to make a bigger size matter uh, by really trading in there and, and really pressing. So striking and clinching, break back free again, striking, clinch, maybe do a takedown attempt. We started to see that in the third round. And I feel like Barbara won that third round. But I feel like she figured out Grasso a little bit too late. Um, yeah. Maybe if this was a five-round fight, that would have been really interesting. I would have loved to have seen another continuing uh, two rounds between these two. But Grasso was really, really impressive. But likewise, you know, I'd never write someone like Mace Barber off. She's still absolutely no. relevant. The thing I didn't like about her game was that she was 
mucking around so far out of range, which I think the commentators picked up on. Um, and that was kind of frustrating to me. Like I say, I feel like she's really solid and she can really push close, but she wasn't. She was sort of like doing all her feints and throwing her hands a little bit out of range. And so when she was trying to play in range, she sort of like got in so close, she, she ended up getting tagged on by Grasso because she kind of had to jump in with that e extra big range that she was leaving out. I would have liked mm -hmm. to have seen her walk down into Grasso a little bit more. Uh, and like I say, I feel like we started to see that in the third round. So she started to make adaptations and changes, which goes to show a good team behind her and um, and, and good evaluation, um, self-evaluation of where you might be at in the fight. But it was a little bit too late, a little too late, unfortunately, for her. But really, really good for Grasso. That, that's a great performance, really was. Yeah, I thought it was a really impressive performance from Alexa Grasso, i got to say. Uh, but Macy Barber, uh, Macy Barber sorry, was very, very good as well. Really uh, yeah. enjoyable fight, mate, to take us up to the, yeah. Uh, yeah. the main but, event. Uh, just quickly, though, mate, I will say this was the Barber and Grasso was the co-main event on a big pay-per-view oh, right. card. Um, yeah. It should have been five rounds. Um, I don't know if that's because it wasn't initially the co-main. Yeah, I don't know whether they do changed. that. I don't so think they, they do that with the women. It. Yeah, I don't or think for the they do. Not for the women. I, I think I thought they I did the it for the main got, event. If the women main event, though, they do five rounds, don't they? Not sure. Not sure. Um, yeah, we're going to have to perhaps have a little look into that on exactly what they do. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Not too yes. sure about that. Yes. But I would, ah. would have loved to see more of that fight. I really would have. Oh, but, yeah. It was, a, you know, it was over three rounds, and Grasso, Grasso was good. Well, well done to her. Next up, mate, the main event of the evening. Uh, Kamara Usman defeated Gilbert Burns via TKO 34 seconds into the third round. Um, this was what I would call a clinic by uh, a certain Mr. Usman. Yeah, Usman done well because he was you know, put into some very harsh situations very early. And Gilbert was looking really, really dominant. Um, so when we were talking about. Well, by the way. Yeah, Gilbert Burns yeah. is a top fighter. Yeah, he is. You know, this guy's, um, you know, got really explosive striking. He, he, he can wrestle somewhat, and we all know his grappling is, is incredible. Uh, really is the full package. The thing that I do have as criticism is that the style of fighting that he does portray is very explosive. And in turn of that, he doesn't have a very effective um, coasting game. I wouldn't say tired game, although that needs, you know, adjusting. I don't think he's very yeah. good when he's tired. He's... Um, a little a bit like McGregor for me. If McGregor gets tired, he suddenly falls apart. He doesn't have a tired game, but he also doesn't have a coasting game. He's all or nothing. So when he exposes yeah. combinations, it's everything into it. And again, it nearly pulled off for him. Um, he was quite, he had pinpoint accuracy. There was real power on it. Uh, but the fact that Usman's not been in these big wars where he hasn't been hit a lot over the course of all these fights, he's got that wrestling to fall back on. He's protecting himself for, from receiving so many of these big strikes over the years that other fighters have taken. So he showed really, really good chin, really, really good chin. And the cornermanship as well, you know, to simplify everything. Hey, your jab's going to win it. Your jab's going to win it. Yeah. And he did. He started sitting behind that jab. And now, see, the difference between them both is that Usman has such a great coasting game. He's got the jab. He's got the reach. He's got the wrestling for it. So he dominates both ranges. He dominates the outward range with that incredible jab and timing that he has. But also when the other guy comes in, he can smother them with the wrestling and just hold them up against the fence. He doesn't even have to have the takedown. Um, the other thing I really liked about Usman was the fact that he didn't allow Gilbert to come up when he was on his back. 
And this yes. is something that you don't see a lot of. Normally you see people step back and the ref calls them up. No, keep them down. You might as well absorb as much of that round as you can in an advantageous position and start putting down those body shots. I liked what he was doing there. And I think that was part of what equated to Gilbert Burns beginning to tire. He's having to keep his head up off the mat. He's getting punched to the belly on the ground. He's getting leg kicked, which is going to affect your, your, your footwork and fluidity. When you do get back to the feet, these were all chips off the block that would break down that boulder into a small stone. I think he just chipped away at him. And and the other thing with Usman that impressed me was the fact that he could have perhaps put him away earlier, but he kept it and did it the safer because he's got five rounds to do it. And that's a true sign of a champion. So, you know, I'm, I'm not always a fan of Usman's attitude sometimes. And, mm. um, you know, we all have people that just fit and sit well with us, but you cannot mock that incredible performance. He went through adversity. He got rocked numerous times. He was under a lot of pressure for the first time. We actually saw him backpedaling and having to fight on the outer fringes of the cage. Normally he's pushing people in the cage with his jab and he's wrestling. But no, Gilbert Burns was putting it to him. And indeed, I think if you're going to beat someone like Usman, you have to be doing that. But to do that, you have to have good cardio also and have a coasting game. If Gilbert had a different style attached to the style that he's got now and perhaps would explode and then come back and coast and sit behind a jab and a double jab and an inside leg kick himself and footwork around a little bit, we perhaps would have seen him nip the rounds and uh, we would have seen him take it to, to five rounds and it will be down on the decision. But the fact that he doesn't have that coasting style about him, it, it, it put him into exhaustion. And we saw that numerous times as we spoke about earlier on tonight several of the fighters kind of blew their wad. And I feel like mm. it was a little bit of the case with Gilbert Burns, which is why I couldn't really go for him. I just felt like if he was going to beat Usman, he has to put him away. And I think Usman's just too too damn resilient. Um, such a shame, but a great effort by Gilbert Burns. Um, he would still beat most fighters out there. If he really wants it, he could perhaps have another punt at trying to take that title and trying to add another style along with the style that he's got, which is what I was talking about. He could have another punt at Usman in the near future, but he has to reprove himself. He's 34 now, so um, I think he will have another another try for it. But there's a lot of other good fighters that are really oh, yeah. test test him now. They've seen that fight. You know, as a coach, I'll be looking at that and seeing a weakness there. Um, yeah, there's so something, there's something to target, isn't there? There is, there is. And um, to me, he reminds me a little bit of, what's the name of that other fire? Oh, my goodness. Here we go with names. Uh, I'll see if it comes uh, comes to me. He, he fights at lightweight. Um, really devastating. We're not helping you. It amuses me too much. But his style reminds me of the same. I can't think of his name. It may come to me a bit later. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to try and look it up while we talk about other things. But... Um, yeah, Who he reminds me of another fighter. Because looks... I saw a few people oh. saying um, Leon Edwards should get the. Yeah, Le- Leon Edwards but... has had such misfortune. Yeah, that wouldn't be a place to see that. I, w- I would certainly but go for that. He hasn't fought for nearly two years, is the other thing. No. Like, it's 18 no. months, I think, since his last fight. So should he fight someone else first, do you think? I don't think Leon Edwards' style is the type of style to suffer from the, the cage rush, cage, cage rust. Um, I think he'll still perform very, very well, to be honest. And Usman don't put you under that kind of flurry pressure. So it's not like he's yeah. going to catch him out. So I feel like if Leon Edwards was to take the fight, he's got five rounds. I feel like he would um, get his groove very, very quickly in there because Usman don't go at that blasting pace. Um, so, yeah, I don't think that would be a bad matchup at all. But I'd love to see him you know, perhaps fight Covington again. I think this is a fight that's inevitable. Yeah, I do like that um, 
that Covington Leon Edwards fight, um, and I do yeah. like the thought of Covington versus Usman as well. So yeah, it's kind of interesting which direction they go with. Whether maybe they'll do Covington Edwards with the winner getting Usman. That kind of yeah, yeah, seems to satisfy. Possibly. That seems to satisfy all the different aspects of it. I think doesn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's going to be an interesting one, man, because Kamara Usman got caught, got a bit rocked. But he did. We've never seen that. Ultimately, before. Yeah. came back and do- destroyed Gilbert Burns. No one's done that to Gilbert Burns. No one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So no, you're right. You know, as much as there was maybe like a bit of a chink in the armor for uh, Kamar Usman, nobody's done that to Gilbert Burns. Like no one has no. taken him apart in that manner. Um, yeah. And that's what I just look at that, and that's why I found that so impressive because Gilbert Burns, let's be honest, has been on a bit of a tear like he's been taking apart anyone in his way um so for kamar usman to not just go in there and you know destroy him he went in there after getting rocked and destroyed him yeah almost you know almost like he had a bit of a point to prove against his former teammate dare i say um because they for, for former teammates who had been quite respectful you know within the build-up and there was no sort of real animosity. They had a, a bit of a stare down at certain points, mate. They um, yeah, that is yeah. There was a, there was something there, wasn't there? Whether it was just they didn't like the fact that the one of them had got caught and the other one was beating the crap out of him. I don't know, but there yeah, was a yeah. Bit of, uh, I think it's to do with a bit isn't of niggle, mate, like, wasn't there? I think it's along the lines of that. Um, I think Usman trained at their team. And then he went yeah. off to another team and then started talking no. shit and doesn't give any credit for the fact that, you know, the whole reason he got out to the States and got into UFC was from the previous team. He sort of like left and went to another team and then, yeah, didn't talk very nicely about them and yeah. they've done so much for him. I think it was along those lines. But, yeah, I mean, look, the, the ultimate story of this was that Usman got hit hard several times and recovered extremely well from it. And Gilbert got hit by that jab. Um, looked dazed and never recovered from it. Every glance in hit after thereafter was was putting him on his back. He never recovered. It's like he couldn't shake the the, the cloud off that had come over his head and started looking very very vulnerable and looked really really gassed as well. All of a sudden, um, he just declined very quickly. And the, the other fighter, by the way, I was just looking out was Kevin Lee. Kevin Lee's someone again that does things with a lot of tenacity and he can overrun some opponents with his striking and wrestling. Um, but I just feel like he falls apart. If he doesn't get the job done early, he can be really looking vulnerable on someone that counters back very well. Um, someone who's got good cardio, cardio tough, and, and pushes back the pace, he starts to look vulnerable. Um, yeah, yeah. But there's a, an, another fight before we, we finish up, if you, if you don't mind. There was another one between okay. um, uh, uh, Mallory Martin and uh, Pollyanna Viana. Um, this was a great display of grappling. Um, um, yeah, because because I like these feet on the on the play on the, uh, 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 on the yeah yeah from, yeah, and I, 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 I watch it because I, I want to watch it because you know, like I say you know, I do have uh, an interest yeah, in you're who's a big coming up through with the, the fem- female fight of the female fights yeah I'm loving it and I want to see who's coming who's going to come up into the picture I take time out to, to watch this one um, and this was really good and now um, we saw some excellent transitions of grappling um, from. Oh, what's her name? Uh, Vienna. Uh, Vienna was yep. on her back. Um, she worked her guard ever so slickly. Um, 
really, really well, was um, punching off her back really smoothly and then threw up the triangle. And now when she had the triangle on, she was struggling to get it done. And this is all, you know, um, amazing performance in defense for uh, Mallory Martin. She was in this full on triangle and it, anyone else would have just tapped out, but she kept toughing out. She got put into an arm bar from the triangle while still in it. Um, she got bent arm locked. It looked horrible. There was times I was struggling to, to watch because I thought something was just going to give way in the arm, but she kept toughing it out. But eventually she did succumb to the triangle um, after being in it quite a long time, really fighting it out. She was getting punched. She was getting elbowed. She was getting uh, arm bars put on, elbow looks, locks put on. And all along with this, triangle and it, and she so nearly got out I and mean, it would have been really interesting to see what would have happened um regards you know busting you up for a submission that don't work yeah. in vienna but vienna was utterly skillful off her back she really really was and this is someone that i'm sure we're gonna have to look out for in the near future so if, if people ain't seen that one watch that one because it's a great grappling fest yeah just having a look at it it looks uh sensational it's only like yeah, eight she... minutes in total but it's just yeah, it's nearly all triangles. Soon as, yeah, Oof, and it's just like, how how did she not tap out? She even went, you know, I, I tell a lot of my students to do the pull down oh, on the that, head, oh. put your hips up. Um, she was even side on on the submission there. numerous times. But yeah, uh, just in, in, incredible that she could survive that long because um, it was all Crazy. but in. Now, I don't know whether perhaps her saving grace for the length of time that she um, she survived was the fact that she had her hair braided into a ponytail and okay. it will go down the back of the neck and whether that was taking off some of the pressure because that's the only thing I can think of because when the hair is braided and thick down the back, particularly when they've got long hair, that will give some, uh, a wedge of support behind the back of the neck. Whether that mm. was making the triangle not complete the sooner... Um, sooner rather than it happening later i don't know but really really impressive that she survived as long as she did and equally impressive the fact that she never gave up on it and had faith in her grappling skills to keep it um, relevant to get the final tap amazing mate i love it i gotta say yeah i um i just the the females rarely do you have a snooze fest rarely nah. Uh, truly, oh, that was great. Truly, some sensational fights. Right, last couple of minutes, mate. To finish us off, we'll do some predictions for next week. Uh, you know, yeah, next week, isn't it? Next week, yes. Uh, Curtis Blades versus Derek Lewis is the main event of the evening. Um, so we'll start there. Who you got for that, mate? I think Blades is going to do it, but I'm going to say Derek Lewis. I'm going to go with my heart on this. I really want Derek Lewis to win it. Um, yeah, I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to go Derek Lewis. Uh, I, I will wins. go. I'm uh, I love go that guy with, uh, with Curtis Blades just because Curtis Blades yeah. has been he's on looking absolute good. fire he recently. Um, yeah, he's looking good. And then uh, there was another fight I was going to ask you about: Ale Alexi Olinik versus Chris Dacos. Mm. So Olinik is ranked uh, ten. Dacos is outside the top fifteen. Um, yeah, I'm going to go. Uh, let's go underdog. I'm going to go Chris. Yeah, let's go underdog on this one. I, I think he's going to have Chris something to, to really prove. Yeah. He's, uh, he's got a 89% uh, of his wins come from TKO and KO. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's really interesting, he's, man. He yeah, you can't, you can't bet against him. That's quite a big fight to give him against uh, uh, Oily Neck. They don't, you know, Oily Neck's ranked 10. He's got a bit of a reputation. I can't imagine mm. they would just give him any old person outside of the rankings. Do you know what no, I mean? No, no, no. So, let's have a look the, at the, the house. Yeah, he comes four. in. 
he comes in to get you. So yeah, so uh, the cows beat Nemesento uh, Ferreira in the first round, KO forty five seconds. He beat uh, Porter first round four and a half minutes, KO. Uh, yeah. There is two UFC fights, so he's clearly got some KO power. It's yeah. just whether he can take it to someone at the level of Alexei Olunek. Um, yeah, and then the it. other one I was going to ask you about is Tom Aspinall versus Andre Olavsky at heavyweight. Yeah, see, see Olavsky is still so yeah, relevant heavyweight. these days. Yeah, um, I'm going to go Olavsky. I'm going to go with the Brit, Tom Aspinall. Um, see, he's six foot five, Tom Aspinall is. He's got a two yeah. inch height advantage, he's got a weight advantage, he's got a reach advantage. Um, so I'm going to go with Tom Aspinall, even though. Uh, look, Olofsky is he might not be ranked anymore, but um, he's you know, he's still really good, still, and he does still really, a real deal, mate, isn't he? Yeah, he is a real deal, and he's very very good at those people because he's a pretty big dude himself, and to be much bigger, you're normally going to give away some speed, or you know, um, you know, uh, you don't recover so well when you do get hit, and he always ends up getting at someone at some point. So mm. I I just think his experience. Will 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 push through, and the fact that he's always done quite well against someone that's taller than himself. So Aspinall is nine and two in his career, which for a heavyweight is a pretty good record. Yeah, that is um, a good record. Yeah, he's fought twice in the UFC. He beat Collier in the first round of July last year, uh, four minutes into the first round via KO, and then he beat uh, Bardo uh, in October of last year with yeah. uh, a KO inside a minute and a half. So, look. Tom Aspinall's got something about him. Um, and I yeah, yeah, to, yes. I would love to see, uh, you know, a Brit just go in there and really make a statement by yeah, knocking out. It, it, it'll be of, great. And for you know, him, to knock out I, Anton Arlovsky, mate, would be huge for Tom Aspinall. Yeah, I just wonder whether it's you know too much too soon for him. I, I don't know. That experience is, is, Arlovsky is huge. Is what he was, I suppose, is what it comes um, down yeah, to. Yeah, I mean... It? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just, I still, still think he's wrong, keeping himself yeah. in amazing shape. He's not got chin. He, he went for a spate, didn't he? Where you know he did get hit and he was getting you know knocked down and getting TKO, but he seems to have, I don't know, seems to have just got himself back on track and he's always looking really mm. good of late. So I'm going to stick with him. I've uh, just had a quick look at uh, Tom Aspinall's fight with Bardot. Uh, he just mauls him. For the whole yeah. four minutes, like he just takes him down. He's got a good takedown as well for someone so big. Yeah. He got him in the clinch, swept both his legs from underneath right. him, yeah. on top of him, and then he's just patiently waiting until he gets the mount and uh, he beats his ass. Yeah, to yeah, put yeah. It, uh, technically, um, I'll send you the link to that, mate, because that's uh, that's interesting. Uh, he's Tom Aspinall flies under the radar a little bit. Um, yeah. I think I'll remember it. So, I'll me- yeah. I think I remember seeing if I remember this. Yeah, we 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 would have covered at least the yeah. second one. Um, but however, um, what I will say, mate, is he's now one of my. He's on my list of targets for guests on the show. Um, as you know, I'm trying to get as many fighters as we can um, from all around the world. So we're uh, yeah. we're looking. We've got um, one booked in for the seventh. Now we're looking to try and get one tied down for next week. Um, but we've had a tremendous run of guests the last couple we of have. weeks. We had Corey McKenna yeah. tonight. We had Jake Hadley. We had Arnold Allen. We've had Jack Stone. Um, and never mind you know, all the other sensational guests before that, which come. Sure. Um, 
so yes, we'll uh, we'll see how it pans out. But hopefully, we'll have another guest next week with a bit of luck. But uh, yeah. Danny, as ever, mate, it's a pleasure. Uh, guys, if you want to do me a favour, follow at Danny Button FS on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Help us build up the show's pages. And, of course, follow Ace Podcast Nation. But most importantly, subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Nation. And if you click the bell next to where it says subscribe, every time we go live or we upload, you'll get a notification in your emails or your whatever notification box. And um, that's always handy for our show as well because we do do the occasional live show uh, when the UFC throws in those those Wednesday shows. We do do a live show either straight after the show on the Wednesday or on the Thursday to make up. So we've got two shows in a week then. But, um, yeah, look out for that. Best way to keep in contact with us, social media. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like as ever. Send your questions. And uh, we'll be back next week, Danny. Yes, we will. As always, mate. Love it. Episode 63. We're 63 episodes. Mm. More top guests coming your way. See you next week. You're listening to Ace Podcast Nation, the hottest new podcast network and YouTube channel in the UK, featuring original series, top guests, expert analysts, and more. Check out facebook.com forward slash Nation for news on latest guests and shows. Watch every show in full at youtube.com forward slash Nation. Sports Social Podcast Network.